This is Top Floor, episode 12. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash 12. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. Adele Gutman spent many years leading sales, marketing, and revenue efforts for luxury hotels. Most recently, with 20 years as Vice President of the Library Hotel Collection. Along the way, she discovered the secret to creating guest experiences that result in extraordinary online reviews and scores. Her New York City portfolio of properties held spots in the top 20 on TripAdvisor for a truly awe-inspiring 15 years straight. Adele says that you don't need to be a 5-star hotel to deliver a 5-star experience and inspire 5-star reviews. Today, Adele and I are going to talk all things online reputation, but... Before we do, we have to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals who have burning marketing questions. Today's question was sent in by Franklin. Franklin says, I see these companies in hotel owner forums on Facebook promising to get rid of my hotel's bad reviews. Is that real? And should I do it? I know what I think of this, Adele. What do you think? What's your answer? Thank you so much, Susan, for having me here. Um, You know what? I really would not focus on that. It's focusing on the wrong thing. You need to focus on diminishing friction and elevating guest happiness. If you have a few bad reviews, it is not going to kill you if they're few and far between, and that there are tons and tons of five-star enthusiastic, loving reviews afterwards. I agree with you completely. I think the other thing I would add to that is there is something to be said for the way that a hotel responds to a negative experience and a negative review. And future guests can tell that if you mess up, and respond appropriately, that that's a hotel where they want to stay. I don't think anybody expects perfection in every possible hotel experience that they have, but they do expect that the hotel is going to respond appropriately. You know what? I would go beyond appropriate. Hotels are stuck there. They believe that They are just there to be polite and professional. And I'm always saying throw out that idea of polite and professional and instead be authentic, be real, be a mature, responsible hotelier and say, I hear the problem that you're telling me about and I'm receiving it in a way that says, I'm thinking about what I can do better for the next person. And because of what you said, this is what we're changing in the hotel. And I really appreciate your bringing this to light because now you've truly helped others. Instead of saying, oh, I'll be sure to let that department head know. Nobody wants to hear that. That sounds fake. Nobody (laughs) believes you. 
Tell them what you already have done to fix the problem, and they'll appreciate how sincere and how earnest you are in really caring for your dad. That makes a lot of sense. So speaking of authenticity, I'm going to reach back in time and ask you a question. You were a dancer when you were growing up. And you went to a high school for performing arts in Houston. I've been singing the theme song to fame ever since I learned this about you. So I'm thinking about you dancing in the hallways at school. What led to the decision to leave the performing arts and get a hotel degree at the University of Houston? Well, you know what? I I took a gap year between high school and college to see what the business world is like. And guess what? I was teaching ballroom dancing at a Fred Astaire dance school. And I found out that unless you are a prima ballerina extraordinaire, it's really hard to make a living on dancing. And when it's your job, you may begin to hate it. I used to go with my mother to a resort in Austin, which is now called the Lake Austin Resort. It was called Bermuda Inn before. And it was all about eating healthy and uh, exercising and being in a beautiful environment and letting go of your tensions and talking about health and wellness and changing your life. And it was so inspiring to me. I said, you know what? I would love to work in an atmosphere of a destination spa, helping people make their lives better, kind of healing them. And that is what I actually aspired to when I started at the Hilton College for Hotel and Restaurant Management. What drove your move from Houston to New York? Well, I lived in New York before. I was really raised in New York. I wasn't born there, but I was raised there. And I went to Houston when I was 16 to 26. Oh. Yeah. So I, I got Southernized. And that was a very important part of my hospitality reputation marketing experience because I learned at the Adolphus Hotel, which was my first job out of college, I learned that sweet Southern hospitality style. The one that says, you, my guest, we're going to do so much for you. There is nothing that we won't do for your happiness. You can count on us if there's anything that you need. That's the way we wrote our contracts. And then fast forward to, there was a boom in Houston and then there was a bust. It was time to move to New York. I started at a supposedly five-star, very reputable Grand Dame Hotel in Midtown Manhattan. And I was terrified. I was mortified at the way the contract sounds the way the confirmation sounds, everything is so transactional and you must do this and you will do this. And if you don't give us your rooming list, you will lose your rooms. And if you don't give this deposit, you will lose. It was just unbelievable. And that really was the start of my being able to observe what we're doing wrong. We're saying that we care about our guests, but we're treating them badly. You spent about 20 years at the Library Hotel Collection, which is a pretty 
extraordinary length of time to most hoteliers. For example, when I was on property, the two-year mark, I would start to get the itch to move on to the next job. As our business and our industry continue to wrestle with labor concerns, I'm wondering why you worked there so long. Was there something unique about the company or something unique about your position that encouraged the long tenure? Absolutely. You know, when I started working there, I had been burnt out at the hotel that I was at. And I I said to my mother, oh, I can't say anything more about this hotel. I have to move to something else. She said, go to that hotel that you pass by, that you're always saying, oh, that hotel looks so great. I love the way they do things. Just call the owner of that hotel and let them know you're available. And that's what I did. And he, from the very beginning, he didn't say to me, your job is to knock on doors and and make sales calls and tell people about the library hotel. He just said, you're responsible for the financial success of the company. So pretend you own the hotel. Somebody just gave you this hotel. What would you do? Use your creativity. And let's always just keep in touch and talk about it. And that was the most liberating thing that ever happened to me. And it absolutely opened up a world of potential that I was able to do things with that hotel company that I would never have been able to do at another hotel. We focused on the goal and every year things change. Um, Technology changes, uh, customers' expectations change. So we always could roll with it because our goal was to make sure that everybody left happy so that they would promote the hotel for us and we would have a thriving company. That's what happened. So I felt like I owned the place because he told me to think like I owned it. So I did. That sort of sense of autonomy, I think, is a theme I've been hearing from people a lot lately, sort of the ability to control your destiny. So it's interesting to hear that that led to longevity for you with the same company. Hotel companies, take note, autonomy is a very effective cultural move. But you know what? It's more than autonomy. It is autonomy, but it's more than that because it's collaboration, collaboration with the owner and collaboration with the team. So everybody is moving together. I'm not unilaterally making decisions and doing things on my own without talking to anybody. We were all about getting consensus. And so that meant we made small changes, small tweaks, but we did it every day, every day, a little micro innovation that brought us a little bit closer to our dreams. Can you think of an example of one of those micro innovations or tweaks that you implemented? Well, you know, the whole process that I promote in this house is that you take in feedback. Uh, You take in observations, not just feedback from your guests, but also feedback from the employees because they are the eyes and ears on the ground. They know what's going on. So you're taking that feedback and you're looking for the root cause of the problem and looking for some way to modify it. If somebody complains about noise in New York City, well, guess what? That is part of the package. So (laughs) a lot of hotels make the mistake of saying, 
I can't do anything about noise. We're in Midtown Manhattan. We're in Times Square. There's nothing I can do. But we say, okay, we can't remove noise from Midtown Manhattan, but we certainly can diminish that friction point until it stops being a constant irritation. So let's put a little trim around the window. Let's build in some shutters that will perhaps help or a heavier blind at night to be a buffer to the noise. Let's put a little insulation between two connecting rooms or let's put even break down a wall and put some more insulation in there or maybe switch to an energy efficient air conditioning when it's time and make sure that it's a lower noise model. So maybe we can do something. Is it the noise of the next door neighbor? Is it the noise from outside? Is it the noise from the hallway? There are little tiny things that you can do. We just did little things one at a time. And we saw those complaints go down, 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 down until people were saying we were a quiet hotel. Um, my company hive marketing used to offer online reputation services to hotels. Essentially we took the position that review responses were sort of like commercials to the next guest. So, you know, rather than working on the operation side, we were working on the marketing side in terms of writing the reviews in such a way that they would demonstrate to somebody who was shopping around that we took a complaint seriously et cetera, et cetera, kind of what we've already talked about. So to me, the focus for our company was very much on review responses and not very much on changing the process or the operation within a hotel. I, of course, get the sense that you might disagree with me about that position and so or probably think it doesn't go far enough. Can you talk about what's missing in that analysis? Yeah. Well, you might be surprised to hear me say that I don't think it's a bad idea necessarily to get some professional help if you really want to respond to all your reviews uh, to give the positive reviews that are just repetitive, the same thing over and over again, and give it to somebody professional who will use that, oh, I really enjoyed the dining experience in your hotel, and then talk a little bit about that garden cafe or that rooftop bar with this and that. And we've been working on these wonderful new dishes and you should come back at when we have the fall menu and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, so it, it is an opportunity, a positive, pure positive review is an opportunity to promote the hotel. So if you don't have time to do it, as long as that person who's responding for you really is part of your team in a way, even though remote and in another office, but they're really your partner and they really know everything, what you need to say, all your goals. And then that's not so bad, but even a five-star review can have a critical comment. For an example, a lot of times that moms come in with the kids to take the reservation before the husband is, you know, off of work or doing whatever he's doing and we'll come in to check in the hotel. And guess what? Mom and the kids' names aren't on the reservation. We can't give you the keys. That can be a friction point that a marketing person listening to the problem and willing to work through it will say, I don't want the front desk to have to deal with that so much. So I'm going to make sure 
that our confirmation and our pre-stay email are asking them, please be sure to give us before you arrive to have a smooth check-in, give us all the names of the people who are going to be registered in the hotel. That way, everything. And you know what? When you're doing it as a service, people are happy to actually respond to that. And you think that people don't read the pre-stay, but I can tell you that that kind of a change diminished the problem tremendously and relieved the front desk of having to deal with the same thing again and again, which is, by the way, soul crushing. Soul crushing. That's such an interesting example and one that I think most hotels would sort of throw up their hands and be like, look, there's nothing we can do about this. So it's great to hear the creativity and approach that went into solving it. Do you think that certain disciplines within hotels are better suited to seeing sort of that big picture of guest satisfaction and online reputation? Well, in a way, yes. I believe that there should be like a mom and dad who are over it, not one person who is over the whole thing. And I could be mom and mom or dad and dad. <laughs> that's, that's not the point. Uh, but really, it should be somebody who is a leader in operations. Hopefully, it should be the general manager. You can ask for help from a front office manager or something like that or an assistant manager. But ultimately, that general manager has to be part of the solution. But also, I'm going to say marketing, but really I mean a commercial strategist person because we're the communicators and half the problems will be solved by changing the communication. There is a lot of debate about who should respond to reviews. I have heard even the largest hotel companies say that general managers of the largest hotels should be physically, personally responding to every review, which I find absurd. I don't think those people have time for that. I'm just interested if you have anything to add there, any thoughts or or comments about who the person should be that's physically doing the review response. Absolutely. I don't think that the general manager should be composing the response. However, there are two different kinds of responses when it comes to a a negative review or even a five-star review with a critical comment in it. There's the internal response, what we actually do with that information, how we examined the problem, how we maybe even called the guest and say, can you tell us a little bit more about the context in which this problem happened? Because then we can find the root cause and see how we can fix it. And by the way, it just so happens that if you do that, and if you're purely focused on, can you help me get to the root of problem, sometimes they will be so appreciative that the general manager would call, or even sometimes the owner is even on the call in some hotels. It depends on the size of the hotel, obviously. So it sounds like the general manager should definitely be the point person for that type of internal communication or one-to-one guest communication. What about the public-facing review response, say, on TripAdvisor? So after you've collaborated with your team on, okay, we 
this is the person and all these things that we know about this person and what happened to them. And, and here's what we're going to do to solve the problem. You have that internal plan of how to diminish the problem so that it won't happen again tomorrow. You can tell that to your, whoever is the best writer, right? Before you post it, the general manager has to look at it to say, you can put my name on that because what you said in that, I'm going to make sure that happens. Because if you're writing fiction, which is what you're writing, if you hire a PR company or marketing company to write your responses for you, that's just creative fiction. I don't know that I agree with that. I think that oftentimes review response companies spend a lot of time working with the hotel team and figuring out what it is that the most common complaints are, for example, and how they handle them. So I'm not sure that we could characterize it as complete fiction. That could absolutely be true that you're working in partnership with the hotel. But I do know that some people are just writing them without knowing what you're going to do differently. And I can see that there are many, many, many reviews out there because I read hotel, hotel reviews and responses from around the world. And I can see that they're cut and paste the same response to everything. Or they'll even say, can you please call this number and ask to speak to the front desk and tell them about this issue? <laughs> Which is just horrifying to me. Or I'll see one hotel that... Every single response says, this is not the norm. This is not the norm. This is not the norm. 30 responses in, it says, this is not the norm. It makes me feel like it is the norm, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) How do you think that review scores tie into employee satisfaction? Well, can you imagine if you are that person, that night auditor or that front desk clerk who's writing, this is not the norm, this is not the norm, this is not the norm. I put that in my soul-crushing category. Everybody has a little bit of that spark in them when they come to work for hospitality. And when they read the PR about the hotel company, how much we care about the guests and our values and our mission and our goals. And then they see that the actual management is not living up to it and letting this same problems fester and fester and not fix anything. It's soul crushing. Imagine another reality where the management of that company, the director of marketing or the general manager or both, hopefully all managers are saying, mom and dad, (laughs) mom and dad are saying, hey, tell me of something that happened to you this week where you saw a person's face go down and you had to uh, react to that and try to help them feel better. Or maybe you knew how to make them feel better or you didn't know how to make, and you just thought that, that well, that's just the way we do things. Tell me about that, that little friction point. And let's collaborate together on how to make things a little bit better. It doesn't matter if you have an older hotel. It doesn't matter if you had the best location hotel. It doesn't matter if you're the super economy hotel. You have a, a truck stop on Route 1 and 9. But if you make the place cheerful and clean and it smells good and it looks fresh and and you can tell that somebody cared when they cleaned the room and everything works because maintenance is 
doing that preliminary work to make sure everything is always working well because people care, well, that truck stop is going to get five-star reviews. If that you're met with a smile at the door saying, welcome, we're so glad to have you here. If you need any advice about where to have a really nice breakfast or where to get a great burger or where to listen to some good music, we're here to make you happy. So anybody can do this. You have mentioned communications, service, and sort of physical plant as some of the key components for getting great reviews and giving great experiences to guests. Are, is that something that you could rank? Like one is more important than the other? Or do you think that they're a three-legged stool that have to be maintained equally? I'll explain more about why I'm asking this question. I love what you say about how you don't have to be a five-star hotel to give a five-star experience. I very often try to bring our conversations back to this boring hotel in the middle of an office park that doesn't have a sexy rooftop bar because that quite frankly, is the majority of what hotels look like across the country. So when you say that you don't have to be a five-star hotel, what a relief. But if you're a hotel or to your point, a motel that maybe is in need of some physical updates or renovation, can you still... Can you overcome that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll give you a story about somebody you probably know her, Christine Trippy. She went into one of the lowest ranked, I think it was Marriott Courtyard or some uh, some brand like that, a limited service or select service hotel, as they say. And they they call, Marriott calls that the red zone in guest satisfaction. And they, people were saying, you know, you're going to have to get rid of a lot of people and get new people in there because obviously they don't know what they're doing. But really she replaced the general manager. It was her first GM position And one person left because they weren't on board when Christine was saying, we're going to work together and we're going to make it great. Whatever's happening in this four walls, we're going to make it happen. And she took that hotel back, earned back all those companies and, and contracts that they had lost. They cleaned up the place. They maintained the place. And most of all, of course, if you know Christine Trippi, she wrote the book, Yes is the Answer. She said, we're going to try to, when somebody asks us something, we're going to try to give them a yes, even if we can't do exactly what they said, but we can give them an alternative or something that will work for them because we're actually listening for what they need more than what they say. And we're going to make them feel cared for. And so they became the number one rated hotel in their county, not just in their in their neighborhood, but in their county and all surrounding her were much newer hotels than hers. So it's not the bricks and mortar. It's the people. It's always the people. But I'm going to tell you this. People might come back to a hotel where somebody was brusque with them. But if there were bugs in the room, Uh, or, you know, an icky, an icky kind of housekeeping problem, (laughs) they're probably not going to come back. True. So I have to say that that housekeeping and maintenance problem is super important and you can't do it without them. But if you can just, you don't have to be fancy, but you do have to be clean. 
as you know, we like to make sure that our listeners come away from each episode of Top Floor with some very specific tactics to try in their businesses. So if a hotel wants to improve their online reputation, we've definitely heard a lot about what they need to have. What's the first step? What's the first thing that a hotel should do if they decide, all right, today's the day. We're going from number 80 to number 1. I'll tell you exactly what we did. It worked incredibly well for us. We actually ended up with the highest guest satisfaction rating of any luxury hotel brand in the world year after year. And what I did was I said, I I think we need to be number one on TripAdvisor. That's the most important thing. I called all of the GMs, the front office managers, the reservation managers, the directors of sales and marketing, called them all together in a conference room and said, you know, when one of our hotels goes to the top of TripAdvisor, the phones ring off the hook. We don't have to discount. They just want to be at that hotel that's on top of TripAdvisor. And I think we deserve to have all of our hotels there because I know you are all beautiful, awesome people who really know how to deliver five-star service. We just need to do it for everybody. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is I want you each to write down your dream review. What is it you want people saying about you? And let's be that hotel. And we shared those thoughts that we each had about what we wanted people to say about us. The second thing I asked them, go back to your teams. You guys are the expert about how to light people up. I want you to tell me everyone on your team has a little magic trick that when somebody walks in with a stressed out face, they say this or they do this and they see the guest eyes light up. Tell me all the little things at every touch point. Let's share them. Send them all to me. I'll compile them, and it'll be our masterclass in best practices. And at every morning meeting, we're going to share a little story about one or two of those best practices so that it's always fresh in our minds. I love that idea of a magic trick. Can you think of an example of one? You know what? Cheryl Goldie, uh, who is the the director of sales and marketing at the Hotel Elysee, she said something that really spoke to my heart and I've just kept it with me for, for such a long time. She said, You know, when you're dreaming about going to a hotel, we're here every day. To us, this is every day. But for them, this is a treat that they've looked forward to. They were planning for it. They were saving for it. And they were so excited for it. And now finally it's here. And they walk through our door. And we can't just say, checking in. (laughs) <laughs> we have to say, welcome, welcome to the Hotel Elysee. We're so happy to have you and start from there and be excited for them. I love that. As a sales and marketing person, do you ever get pushback from the ops team when you're trying to implement these kinds of programs? Did anyone ever say like, I'm not writing down my dream review. This is ridiculous. I need to go fix the air conditioner. Nope. You know what? I didn't actually ask the person who was uh, fixing the air conditioner, but you know what? I was happy enough. I wanted them to go back and write their reviews and whether they did or they didn't. At that meeting, I got everybody to contribute a little bit 
about just out loud, share with the team a few things about what they'd like people to say about them. And that worked well enough because it started them thinking about it. So at least if they're thinking about it and they did get that moment to share that in the team. The best practices though, they all came back and they were excited to come back with their magic, how to light people up. And you know what? Imagine if your general manager asks you as a front desk person to share your magic with them. How do you feel? I'll tell you, they feel pretty good because you're treating them with so much respect and you're appreciating their expertise and you're inviting them. Do you think online reviews are becoming more important or less important to a hotel's revenue success? more important. As we really try to finesse our revenue management techniques and ask for the full potential of what the market will allow, because you know, sometimes you can't do it. Sometimes it's a low season and you need to be flexible and you need to make your special offers. When it is demand, you want to be able to get what you want. But guess what? They say that Different studies say different responses, 87%, 92%, 95%. Whatever it is, they say people look at reviews in order to make their decision. A meeting panel is going to look if you're making a sales call on them. If you put out an ad, you spend a lot of money on that ad, guess what? They're going to look at that ad, and then they're going to look at your review. You make a sales call, please give us your business. They're going to look at the review. So it's important that... What you're selling, what you're saying about your experience, the reviews back you up. Yeah, there are some great studies from Cornell about this that we'll link to in the show notes as well. If hotels stop offering amenities like daily housekeeping or start to unbundle services and charge a la carte for things like access to the swimming pool, how do you anticipate that this will impact online reputation? I think it's really dependent on the kind of hotel and the kind of guests you have and what their expectations are. I think if you're in a four or $500 a night hotel and they're not prepared to offer everyday housekeeping to you if you want it, then that could be a problem. But if you communicate really well and say it's there for you, you just tell us. Do you want it every day? Do you want it every other day? You just tell us what you need and we'll make sure that we are staffed to accommodate that. That's going to be okay. I think in a budget hotel, when they're really trying to, if you have a $75 a night hotel, you know, housekeepers still cost a lot of money percentage wise from that bill. So in order to keep the price down, they understand that they are limiting in some ways, their experience. But I still think it's a good idea to have it as an option. What is next for you and what's next for your company? I'm writing a book and I'm working out an online course so that people have an affordable way of learning the process and seeing not just the overall view, which is listen to your reviews, look for the problems, collaborate with your team, find a small thing that you can change, and implement it. And change should be like breathing. Every day you release 
something that isn't suiting you anymore and you bring in something that's going to work a little bit better for you and your reputation will grow and grow. That's I give that to you free every day. But if it was so obvious and easy for everybody to implement, everybody would be number one. And that's just not the case. Okay, folks, before we tell Adele goodbye, we are going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. Going down. Adele, what's a story you would only tell on the loading dock? Well, I really don't talk about this, but I had been so worn out from the previous job before I went to the library hotel collection to work for Henry Callen. And and I just just didn't feel appreciated or cared for or respected. And when I went to work for Henry Callen, a completely independent hotelier, I wrote something for him that was meant to be in his voice. And I said, you don't have to dance around my feelings. You just tell me what you need to make it sound more like you and what you wanted to say. And you, you won't hurt my feelings. Go ahead. Let me have it. Because that's what I was used to at the other company. And he said, but Adele, of course I care about your feelings. I want you to be happy. And I want you to know how much I appreciate you. And this is good. I maybe change this one word or two or put a comma there. But that's it. I mean, this is great. And, And I almost burst out into tears in that office. So when I tell you that culture matters, there was a famous expression, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I would, I would go to the moon for that man. I would do anything. I volunteered so many hours, weekends, evenings. He made me feel so important and so appreciated by the team. And he really cared about my feelings. He did not just lash out if he didn't like something, but he, but he would share it with me and he would help me find a way to do my job better. And he allowed me the freedom to become what I became, which is amazing because I just don't think I would have gotten that from every employer. Adele Gutman, thank you so much for being here. I hope our listeners were paying attention and taking some notes. And I really appreciate you riding up to the top floor. I really appreciate you inviting me here, Susan. Thank you so much. This episode is sponsored in part by She Has a Deal. She Has a Deal offers inspiration and education to achieve the goal of increasing the number of women hotel owners and developers. With pitch competitions for both early career and experienced women, programs channel the power of collaboration and mentorship by connecting experts and newbies, experienced investors, and hotel operations leaders. Learn more at shehasadeal.com. This is Top Floor, Episode 12. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash 12. Top Floor is a production of Long Live Lodging. Our elevated elevator music was composed and performed by John Albano, designed by Neha Patel and Jason Lum. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues 
after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 